It's called Special Revelation. Special Revelation of God is the book of the Bible. It is the Word of God. It is the book that holds the doctrines of Jesus Christ. So therefore, it's the Bible and the Bible alone that tells us who God is and what he's done in redemptive history. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and with me in studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. If you'd like more information about Live in the Light, be sure to check us out online at liveinthelight.ca. There you can drop us a note of encouragement. There you can reach out and support this ministry financially. And as well, you can get a copy of today's message. Now, we're continuing on in our series in doctrine, and we're hitting a foundational truth today. And I love this truth, Robbie. The doctrine of the Word of God. Amen. Why is this such a foundational doctrine? Because it's where we get all our doctrines from. And if you don't have the doctrine of God's Word down, man, you're kind of messed up for everything else. And so this becomes just absolutely foundational. Loved ones who are listening, tune in, take notes, whatever it means, get this stuff down and you get to take it with you for the rest of your life. Again, this is being made available, of course, on liveinthelight.ca. We have roundtables associated with each message that is on there. We encourage you, visit us, learn, ask questions, call in, whatever you want to do to be can minister to you and love you. Remember, if you want to truly love God, you have to truly know God. That's why we have his word. All right, we trust that you are excited for this. Let's get into the doctrine of the word of God today. Here again is Pastor Robbie with today's message. Well, let's begin um, in our message uh, today. And here's a quote I've always been fond of. It's this, it's um, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't falling apart. I love that because so often, not always, um, but so often that is so true. And that is probably the most important application already we will find from our message today, from this doctrine today, because simply put, um, you can't live the Christian life apart from the word of God. You can't fully live the life that God wants you to live unless you know his instructions, his desires for your life, which is found in the Bible. Loved ones, the word of God is what's called a God's special revelation to his church. That's an important term you need to know. Uh, as opposed to general revelation that people can look at creation and they can understand no one has the excuse, there's not enough evidence to say there is a God and yet the special revelation is God's word. That is the message, that is the gospel, that is the details that we are sinners in need of a savior whose name is Jesus Christ and so God has given us specifically his word. This is an important theological term for you to know and understand. 
It's called special revelation. Special revelation of God is the book of the Bible. It is the word of God. It is the book that holds the doctrines of Jesus Christ. So therefore, it's the Bible and the Bible alone that tells us who God is and what he's done in redemptive history. It's the word of God alone then that steers us from error, that grows us in sanctification, being more like Christ. It's the word of God alone that renews our minds, that points us to a life of fruitfulness and purpose. Uh, We're dead without the Bible. We have to have the word of God to follow God again as he has intended. But listen, that's why he's given us this book. This is not just something to collect dust. This isn't just a a good read we're going to find out. This is literally the word of God. That is the point of today. And you need to value this book as being that, the word of God, um, as do I. John MacArthur said this. He said, some books can change your thinking. Only one book can change your nature. That's what this book does. It literally changes our nature if we apply it with a heart desiring to love our Lord and be transformed uh, by him. So this is just an appetizer in the first couple of minutes as to why that saying is true, that the Bible is falling apart, it usually belongs to someone who isn't. And that is why also we start then with the doctrine of the word of God, because it's the word of God that leads to all other doctrines. Please understand, without the word of God, the doctrines of the Christian faith do not exist. So therefore, we must know the doctrine of the word. Otherwise, we'll never truly know the path that we're supposed to be on. So what the Bible becomes to us, what the Bible tells us it becomes to us, the Bible becomes our truth, our lamp, our light, our guide, our path, our map for this life. Any Christian trying to live this life apart from the truths of God's word will not go where God wants them to go. They will get lost. They will be confused. They will not see the fruitfulness. That's how God has designed it. So I'm very excited then about today's message because here's really why. Ready? God wrote a book. I love that phrase. And of course, I didn't make it up. I love that phrase because it's so true. God wrote a book and he wants you to read it because he wants you to know him more, that you might love him more, that you might understand more how much he loves you and to what degree he does. God wants us to know the details of the doctrine of this book. Again, the more you understand the doctrine of the word, then the more you value the word and the more you want to love the Lord of the word. That's the point. That's why we want to know the doctrine of the word because you hold this Bible with greater degree of appreciation, with value, with love for not the word itself, but the savior that's revealed in the word. That's maturity in the Christian life life. And every person who wants to grow must grow in that knowledge. God's word has been given to me that I might love him. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. He said this, he said, I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. I will never forget your precepts, O Lord, for by them, for by your commandments, by your doctrine, by your word, you have given uh, me life. All right, well, let's just take some time right now to, here's one of the things I know right now is that um, this is probably the heaviest message of content probably within this series today. Because here's why, here's why. Um, If doctrine is the foundation for the Christian life, the word of God is the foundation to the foundation of doctrine, okay? And if you're gonna build a good foundation, it takes time, understand? Today's gonna take some time, okay? So um, 
You need to have alert minds. And I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit that he will capture us. He will truly capture us in the importance of what's being said today. But there's a lot of information. And I'm praying you will have hungry hearts. And I'm praying that by God's spirit, he will produce light bulbs that we are very excited about. Father in heaven, I do ask then, and I rely on you exclusively that you will teach, that you will encourage, that you will guide. Father, you care so much about this message because you tell us you care so much about this message in your message. And so I pray, Lord, you will be true to your word as you must be and your faithfulness, Lord, extending to minds. And I, I specifically pray, Lord, for people right now who maybe feel they have little understanding, who have a hard time paying attention. God, I pray that you will supernaturally give them the ability to see, to hear, to apply, to understand, to delight in the truths that they are going to take on right now. God, this is the foundation of the foundation and it, it, it takes care and it is important. And I'm praying there are steps on their way today of greater knowledge and love, God, because when doctrine is rightly applied, then knowledge and love collide. And that's what we're going for right now in this series. We love you, Lord, and we need you. We're excited to be together in this today. In the name of Jesus Christ, uh, amen. 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 Okay, again, again, a lot to go through. Let's get started then. We have five points today. Here's number one, and uh, it's called this. Um, the Bible is God-breathed inspiration. Uh, point number one, the Bible is God-breathed. Uh, we're going through the doctrine of inspiration. Please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 then. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, probably the most important passage as it relates to uh, the stuff that we talk about today and the doctrine of the Word of God. Uh, if there's one passage you need to know as it pertains to the doctrine of the Word of God, it's this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, Paul says here to Timothy, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? Why? Notice that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Again, right here in this verse, probably the most clear and best known statements uh, regarding the origin of scripture. The most powerful part, loved ones, in this verse is the first part. All scripture is breathed out by God. Uh, the word breathed out in the Greek is the word theopneustos. And theopneustos is the only time this occurs in the entire New Testament. For many years and in many translations, this word was translated inspired. So maybe you grew up with a translation that said all scripture is inspired by God. Now, the problem with that word inspired is this inspired over time began to suggest um, an in-breathing or a God-breathing uh, into. This doesn't fully convey what the Holy Spirit's trying to get across here through Paul. The best translation is God-breathed or God-breathed out by God because that's exactly what God has done in the scriptures. So stay with me here. God did not just breathe into the scriptures. God did not just breathe into the authors. Rather, God breathed out the scriptures. It came fully from him. He is the source of all of this inspiration. As Erwin Lutzer said, the Bible then, metaphorically speaking, is the very breath of God. Here's another way to make sure you understand what I'm saying. So God didn't just approve the scriptures. 
God breathed out the scriptures. God is the full source and inspiration of scriptures. Here's another way, more simple way of saying it. God didn't take what Moses wrote down and say, hey, Moses, that's a good job. I give you my check mark. Let's call it the Bible. That's not what happened. God was the one who breathed out from him into using human authors, and we'll get there in a few minutes. God is fully responsible for every word in scripture and all its meaning. Here's a quote by uh, Norm Geisler as it pertains to inspiration. The inspiration of God then extends to every part of Scripture. This is very important, including, um, including everything God affirmed or denied about any topic. It is inclusive of not only what the Bible teaches, listen, listen, but also what the Bible touches. That is to say, it includes not only what the Bible teaches explicitly, but also what it teaches implicitly, covering not only spiritual matters, but factual ones as well. And why is that true? Well, because the omniscient God cannot be wrong about anything. Amen, amen, amen okay? About anything he teaches or implies. And we're getting to that in just a, a few moments as well. So the doctrine of inspiration is saying this, all the words of scripture are God's and all its meaning. Not just spiritual content, spiritual content and whatever else is there as well. This might be helpful. Let's make sure we understand what the doctrine of inspiration is not. Three things. The doctrine of inspiration is not high-level human achievement. This isn't some uh, a human masterpiece like a, a great painting um, of, our, of our time or in days gone before us. I mean, think about it this way. What person could invent a person like Jesus Christ? What human would write a book that essentially damns the whole human race and says that we are sinners in need of a savior and comes up with this incredible supernatural concept of a savior named Jesus Christ? So the Bible's not some great high-level human achievement. Inspiration is also not this. We said this already. Inspiration is not just the spiritual matters of the Bible, but then ignoring or rejecting the scientific, geographical, or historical parts of the Bible. The entire Bible is God-breathed. All scripture has been breathed out by God. This is called verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal, all the words of scripture. Plenary, all the meaning of scripture. We fully believe in this. This is so important, all the words and their meaning, verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. Here's the third thing that uh, uh, inspiration is not. The doctrine of inspiration is not mechanical dictation. The authors were not robots writing down one word at a time. Rather, God allowed for the personalities of the authors to be included within the scriptures. So it wasn't like Moses sitting down and writing Genesis and it was like in, in, the, the, beginning, beginning, God, God. It's not how it worked. God inspired fully what happened, but he allowed the styles. If you think of the, the genre of the Psalms and the genre of the epistles and, and even Luke as a physician writing the gospel, you can tell that he was like that. God allowed for personalities to be retained within the writings of scripture themselves. Again, Luke being a doctor, Paul being a rabbi or a lawyer. Again, some of the psalmists and their anguish, Peter being a fisherman. You can tell as you read their writings, God fully inspired, yet they were allowed to keep, again, their personalities within. So what are we learning here? We're learning this, and here's a fancy word. This is a good word, though. The Bible, then, is called a theanthropic book. The Bible is a theanthropic book. Let's break that word down. Uh, theos, God, anthropos, man. 
The Bible, and you may not have heard this before, the Bible is a book that is fully divine, yet fully human. The Bible's primary cause is God, but its secondary cause are humans under the perfect direction and sovereignty of God. God in his perfect wisdom and his perfect sovereignty, he allowed and he chose to use humans, 40 of them to be exact, to write the Bible, yet he was the one overseeing the entire process. Some of you might say right now, well, it would be helpful if you had a verse to back that up. Sure, no problem. Let's turn to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 is, is where we want to go next. And you've got to turn there. Okay? You've got to turn there. If you care about this doctrine, uh, you will turn. 2 Peter 1 verse 20. By the way, um, each week I want a text that we must know, that we must have. So if I came up to you right now and I asked you regarding last week, could you tell me the one passage that we learned that pertains most importantly to why doctrine matters? Could you do that? Are you nervous right now if I went up to you? And uh, I gotta admit, I asked not all our staff, I asked some of our staff and, and, and some, of the, some of the answers, were, oh, it wasn't, as, it wasn't as good as I was hoping, you know, but, but there's some good humiliation there and I'm hoping they're gonna take that and learn that as they go forward. Forward. But last week we learned the one passage pertaining to how important doctrine was, was Hebrews 5. That's great. Remember the verses? 11 to 14. Wow, you guys are way better than some of our staff. Just joking staff, all right? All right. So, and, and, that, and, that, and that passage spoke about, I'll give you some hints there, spoke about milk versus yeah, solid food. That's right. And the reason that was so important was if you're still on milk, you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, the word of God, yes. But if you are on solid food, then all of a sudden you have discernment and you have wisdom and you have stability and you are skilled in the word and you're able to discern between right and wrong and you're able to discern between good and evil. And we understood that passage is so important to be able to turn to, say what it says and teach others. You gotta know doctrine. You gotta know the word. If you don't know the word, man, you're dead. And so our passage today, there's one text or two texts you must know if I come up to you pertaining to the doctrine of inspiration. Again, again, I'm trying to convince you while we're in this series, do whatever you can to learn. I mean, some of you, Lord willing, have decades to go in your life. Can you imagine if you finally got this down and you knew this and learned this and you could take this with you for the rest of your life? Please understand the value of this. Please understand what God is saying to you in this. Please take the time. And you know what it's going to take? It's going to take taking this sermon, listening to it a couple more times. It's going to take listening to the roundtable discussion and learning. It's going to take taking copious notes. It's going to take asking questions. It's going to take hard work. We're getting there in a second. It's going to take you to decide, I want to know this because I want to love my God better. Because I want to pick up my Bible and understand how rich and valuable and how beautiful this book actually is, as opposed to a checklist or a chore that I got to do each day. All that to say, the passage for this week in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, got to know, and then this one right here, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. You got to know uh, this scripture pertaining to this doctrine. Here's what Peter says. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. How clear is that? What's he saying there? No prophecy of scripture. Uh, man's not making this up. He's like, he's like, man did not get this from themselves. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced, was ever produced. No prophecy of scripture was ever produced by the will of man. Clear? 
but men spoke from God, but men spoke from God as they were, here it is, carried along. That phrase, that word right there, carried along, that is used in Acts 27 to refer to the wind moving a, um, a ship along the sea. What the human authors did, they set their sails, but God ultimately came and, and blew them along in the direction that he desired through inspiration. They were carried along here by the Holy Spirit. How clear is that verse? You need to know that verse. Some of you have never seen that verse before. You gotta see it, you gotta know it now. When it comes to the doctrine of inspiration, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. So notice this, 2 Timothy 3, 16 is the nature of inspiration and 2 Peter 1 then is the method of inspiration. The nature of inspiration, God breathed out. The method of inspiration, the Holy Spirit carried along human authors that God gave them inspiration or he breathed out the scriptures while using humans in the process. Pretty clear then how Peter views the doctrine of inspiration. You might ask, well, what about the rest of the Bible? Did you know that in the Old Testament, more than 3,800 times a phrase with such a ring as this is used, thus says the Lord. 3,800 times in some form a phrase is used like, thus says the Lord. The Old Testament, I wish I had more time, but I don't. The Old Testament repeatedly claims to be the very words of God over and over and over again. Some of you say, well, 2 Timothy 3.16 from Paul, but, but is there more from Paul? Yeah, there is, because Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Here's Galatians 1 for you. Look what Paul says here. I want to couple this with one more verse from Thessalonians. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel, never produced by the will of man. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, listen carefully, that you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. What is it, Paul? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Notice, notice here, ready? This is knowledge and love. This is doctrine and duty. It's everywhere. I've never seen this more in scripture than right now which is at work in you, believers. See, the word of God, which is at work, this is why God wants us to know the word, so it will take its work, it will build us up, it will grow us in the things of Jesus Christ. So we see how Peter views inspiration and Paul views inspiration, how the Old Testament views inspiration, but the most important question in this doctrine, really, and you should be asking is, what does Jesus think about this doctrine? Does Jesus have something to say about the doctrine? Because if he's the son of God, you'd think, and he cares so much about his word, you'd think he'd say something, he did. Norm Geiser is very helpful to us in this regard. He provides seven affirmations of Jesus pertaining to the doctrine of Scripture or the Word of God. Here's Jesus' view of Scripture. Number one, Jesus affirmed its divine authority. He affirmed his divine authority. He was tempted in the desert by Satan. Satan comes up and Satan tempts him. And what Jesus does every time, he uses three words. He says, it is Written. Let's stop there for a second. Let's, let's understand the magnitude of what Jesus is doing. He is God. He is perfect. He is the son of God. Here he is. And what he does to rebuke Satan, what he does to withstand temptation, he being God holds up his word. That's awesome. He says it is written. And he says to Satan specifically in the first encounter, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Hear what your Savior is saying to you. He is affirming the divine authority of the Scripture. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Secondly, Jesus did this. Jesus affirmed its imperishability when it comes to the word of God. He affirmed its imperishability. He says, he says, do not think I have come, Matthew 5. He says, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He says, I have not come to abolish them. This is important. People really understand this last part. Not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He has come to fulfill the law and his perfect righteousness. But that's not my point right here. He says this, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, listen, 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 not an iota or a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying not an iota or a dot, not even the smallest letter in the alphabet. Further to that, not even the smallest part. Think of, think of the capital letter F, and then think of the capital letter E and think what differentiates capital F from capital E. It's one little tick on the bottom. Think of, of, a, of, a, of a small I and the dot. What he's referring to is, is that. He says, not one letter, not even one fragment of, not the dot of an I, not the bottom stick, whatever that's called, on a capital E will ever pass away until all is accomplished. That's how much Jesus affirms scripture. That's fairly substantial. Coming down to the dot of an eye, he says, will not pass away until all is accomplished. There is literally not one dot in the word of God that Jesus takes lightly. Thirdly, Jesus does this. Jesus asserted infallibility or unbreakability of scripture. In John chapter 10, in a uh, argument with the religious leaders, Jesus proves the point to them by quoting the Psalms and he says, and scripture cannot be broken. And scripture, he says, cannot be broken. What's he saying there? He's saying scripture is infallible, unbreakable. Scripture is inerrant. Scripture is perfectly secure. I love this point so much that Jesus, and scripture cannot be broken. Hey, um, how many times in the last, I don't know, 10 years has, has some book been written, some movie been made, some person standing up and saying, yeah, the Bible, it, you discredit it, it's nothing, it's not gonna last, it's got errors. I mean, how many people have heard that kind of thing happening in the last 10 years? It happens over, think about the last 2,000 years then. Think of all the people that have said, oh, the word of God, man, it's not gonna last, it's full of, on, 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 on. Listen, you know what happens? I love so much. The people die and the word of God continues on. Ever notice that? You ever stop long enough to see, oh, it's Da Vinci Code, whatever it is. These people will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. Praise the Lord for that. Take confidence in that and love that truth that over all time, I love the story of the French philosopher Voltaire. And Voltaire, some of you heard this before, I love it so much. Voltaire predicted by a hundred years of his death, the Bible would disappear from the face of the earth. Well, in the irony of history, what ended up happening was his house was purchased by the Geneva Bible Society. They turned it into a printing press and subsequently they printed thousands and thousands of Bibles from the home that he used to live in. How's it going now, Voltaire? Not so great, huh? Not so great, all right? But the word of God stands forever. Daniel, pass me that ball, would you, for me? Thank you very much. All right, so this is what people try to do with scripture, right? This is the dodgeball here. They try to crush it and they get it down to a size like this and they're like, ha, I got you, Bible. And then they go on and they start to boast about this, how they wrecked the Bible. Bible, and how it is no more, and how they're going to win, and how God's work can't stand up to that, and how nothing else is going to be great. And they turn around like, ah, how did that happen? Because you think you can take God's word down, but you cannot, okay? You will pass away, dude, but the word of God will stand forever. All flesh is like grass. Amen. 
Amen. Listen, listen, I'm just telling you what is true. And you do a survey of one year ago, 10 years ago, 100 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, this is the way it has always been. This is the way it will always be. As someone has said, the Bible always rises up to outlive its pallbearers. Amen. That's a great line. And that is so true. Loved ones, take confidence. You're a university student right now. I had one come up last night, and there she is, and your professor hammering, hammering, hammering. That university professor, she will die. The word of God will continue on. Take heart and all the facts behind you, all the confidence, all the proof that God has given to us just by its durability and the fact that it cannot be broken. Fourthly, Jesus did this. Jesus declared its ultimate supremacy. Supremacy. So again, when speaking with the Pharisees, he says, you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition. He says, but by holding your tradition, listen, 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 Pharisees, by holding to your tradition, you have made void the word of God. There is no human tradition that overcomes God's word. It is our authority. The word of God, Jesus says, is our boss, our complete and final authority. Fifthly, Jesus affirmed its factual inerrancy. So Jesus is praying to his father and he says in John 17, 17, your word is truth. Sanctify, sanctify them in the truth. He says, your word is truth. So just, just think about what he's saying. He says, Father, sanctify, change the church in your truth because your word is truth. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.